From the VIP lounge to the gridiron, it's everything you need to know from pop culture to free throws. This is Cleats and Cocktails with your hosts, Meg and Taniella. And I'm Meg. This week's episode of Cleats and Cocktails is brought to you by Bleacher's Punch. This punch is actually meant to be made in a big batch um, where you would use six bottles of beer, eight ounces of vodka, two and a half cups of pineapple juice, and 12 ounces of a lemon-lime soda or Sprite, um, and fruit for garnish. Um, So we obviously scaled it down for just ourselves on a Monday evening, um, but didn't really measure what we did. So just kind of approximated with some beer, vodka, juice, and soda. And it's actually quite good. Yeah, it's it's weird drinking from a distance because yes. I'm sort of drinking alone, but I'm not technically. Right. Yes, I agree. It is a, it is a bit of a different uh, setup. Obviously, we mentioned to you guys last week that I was going to be back home in northwestern Ontario. Taniella was going to still be in Toronto. So we are recording from a distance, which is why our voices don't sound the exact same. <laughs> it's uh i wish that people could see our setup because yeah (laughs) it took a lot of work it's probably the most primitive version of a like long distance relationship right now yeah pretty much but we're making it work got to do what we can to get the pot out (laughs) (laughs) um okay so we actually have a ton to talk about this week i feel like we had a couple of weeks where we were trying to like get you guys up to speed on what's happening and all at once we've sort of hit the end of a, like the end of a bunch of sports and the commencement of a bunch more and so as it's all happening we're going to catch you up on everything our agenda for this week is going to be pick six as always um we're going to do actually kind of a run to the playoffs preview for nhl and nba today um we're hitting the end of the season for both of them, so we're going to kind of give you an, uh, a preview of who's still in the running, what the playoff picture looks like for now, um, and then we're actually going to do a what's the call for baseball, because baseball is back this week. It sure is. Opener. I don't even understand, because like honestly, looking at the weather, not baseball season. I would agree 100%. <laughs> Like, what's the weather in Kenora right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not terrible. Like, it's cold. It's, like, around zero or minus ten in the mornings. But there's still so much snow. There's, like, four to five feet of snow on, like, snow piles. So That's like, obscene. I know. It's so much snow. It's unbelievable. And ice. So much ice, too. It's sketchy. I'm done with all of this. Yes. Ditto. I am ready for spring. Spring technically sprung last week on Wednesday. But I'm ready for it to truly spring in terms of the actual weather. I'd also like to see some greenery. Like, everything's been so brown for so long. Like, it's legit depressing. Yeah, I agree 100%. Especially because, like, home opener for the Jays is this weekend, right? Yeah. So, like, usually, like, you open the roof and, like, the weather's great and this weekend's going to be effing cold. Yeah. I actually think it's supposed to not be, like, horrendously cold, but I think it's supposed to rain. So there's that as well. So that's okay. just lovely. Well, actually, we might as well, um, let's just jump right into pick six while we're on the topic of baseball. And it's going to be a pick six. 
Okay, so um, up first, we're actually going to talk about a big contract deal that came up. We've sort of been profiling the big ones that have come up for baseball leading up to the regular season. We talked about Manny Machado. We talked about Bryce Harper. Now we're talking about Mike Trout, who is, I would say he's considered to probably be the best player in the entire league. Like, he's phenomenal. Um, He actually signed an absolutely stupidly huge 12-year, $430 million deal with the LA Angels. Yeah, they just keep getting bigger. I didn't know that they could get bigger. Like, (laughs) I keep thinking, are you going to run out of money? And then somehow someone tops it. Yeah, it's totally insane. So he already played with the LA Angels, right? Yeah, so like it's it's an extension technically. Okay. It's okay. A, like extension ten years, three hundred and sixty three point five million. You know who's counting, whatever. Right. Um, but it's the biggest contract in North American sports history. Wow. So I mean, like that is it's obscene how much money that is. Every time we do this story with a different player, we get more and more like I cannot believe how much money this is. And Mike Trout has officially just blown the roof off of everything. Yeah, I, I can't even, I mean, I could never wrap my head around any of the amounts of money that these people are making, but like, this is just like fully just stupid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I keep saying to Nick that like, I legitimately don't know where they keep finding the money to give these players this contract. Like uh, there are a lot of stadiums that are not sold out through the regular season. Like where are they scraping this money together from? Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. So crazy. According to a lot of these sports analysts, they're still considering this to be a good deal for Mike Trout. Hmm. You know, it must be nice to be so good that you're considered a bargain at half a billion dollars. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) What even? I just, yeah, that's, I can't. I can't. I can't. I mean, what'll be fascinating, it's sort of the same thing that we talked about with the other contracts, is that, like, you now have him for 12 years. Like, he's, don't get me wrong, he is younger. I think he's in his mid-20s. Okay. I have to guess. Um, so, I mean, you're going to get better prime years with him than in some of the other contracts. But it's still a long fucking commitment, man. Yeah, very long. And isn't it, wasn't Mike Trout the guy who Bryce Harper was talking about when he wasn't really supposed to be talking about people from other teams saying how like once his contract was up in two years, like it'd be epic if they could play together. Obviously that's not going to happen now. No, because they would bankrupt the economic system of North America if they had to put those two players together on one team. (laughs) That's so true. Good point. We don't need to suffer a recession trying to pay a bunch of baseball players. (laughs) oh my goodness that's pretty much all we have to say on this because there's not a lot of commentary you can make other than what the fuck yeah (laughs) basically yeah um side note while we're on mlb is that there was an also a big retirement that was announced this week yeah so uh, if you don't follow baseball this probably won't mean a lot to you but um Ichiro Suzuki has actually just retired legitimately like we are in like spring training and he just was like yeah okay I'm done thanks thanks guys thanks everyone so he plays for the Mariners the Seattle Mariners um he also played for the Yankees and the Marlins previously the thing about Ichiro that's like really famous is that he has a stupid number of hits in professional baseball um 
he has three that over three thousand hits in the MLB alone, and he didn't come over until he was twenty seven years old because he played in Japan for a bunch of years. Um, so he technically has what they call the professional record of number of hits, like most hits in history. He has like forty three hundred um, across all the leagues he's played in, um, but he doesn't hold the MLB record because. Um, that goes to legendary player Pete Rose. Um, but Ichiro is super, like, he's well-loved among the Mariners. That's really where he made his history. Um, and from everything I've heard, he's, like, a really good guy. And it's going to be really sad, but he's old. He's, like, in his 40s. Like, mm. it's not, you right. know? Well, it's so random, though, like, the timing of it. It's funny that you wouldn't just announce it in the off season that you would come back to spring yeah. training and then announce it. But, like, maybe... Maybe he just thought he wasn't done, and then he started playing, and he was like, okay, yeah, actually, I'm done. Yeah, it was I, – I, that's what I have to wonder is, like, he probably had it in his head, like, yeah, I could probably get one more season, and then finally got out there and was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not about this anymore. Yeah, exactly. It also, like, as, as low effort as baseball can be at times and the longevity you can get in that career, it is still, like, you're on the road every day for months, you know? like. Yeah. It takes a toll, and once you've been doing it for, like, the 20 years he's been in baseball, like, you know, no big deal. You can call it a career. You've had a good one. Yeah. Exactly. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So, right off into the sunset, Ichiro. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, like switching gears into the NFL briefly, I guess I'll just to stay on the same topic, let everyone know that Rob Gronkowski, who is like superstar tight end for the New England Patriots announced this weekend that he's retiring, um, which I think everybody sort of saw coming. Like he's now won, I don't know how many Super Bowls he's won, two, three? Yeah. He's won a couple. He's only ever played for the Patriots. He was drafted in 2010, so he played eight seasons, I guess. Um, and, um, but he's just been slowing down a bit over the past couple of seasons. So I think he just, even though he's still quite young, I think he's only what, 29? Yeah. He was injury prone too, though. He was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think everybody sort of figured that either this year or next he would probably retire. So he has officially retired. Um, I don't know if you were telling me this or someone else, but I heard that he really wants to get into like movies and film now. Well, like, the way I just, I, I think of Gronk, because like, he has a ridiculously huge personality. He seems to just love the fact that he's, like, famous and rich. Like, he totally <laughs> embraces that. I also think that, like, if he never made it in football, he would be a great WWE wrestler. Like, <laughs> he, like, just, like, slightly dumb enough and, like... <laughs> He's got huge personality. He's a freak of nature when it comes to, uh, like, athletics. Like, he's a great WWE superstar. He's actually, I think he's been in, like, WrestleMania a couple times in, like, spots. Um, but, yeah, like, Gronk is the best. Like, he just does not give a fuck about anything. Yeah. Loves his life. Parties on yachts. Has a great time. Yeah. I'm so happy for the next era of Rob Gronkowski, Hollywood movie star. Yeah, I think I might have to start following on Instagram so that I can see what he's up to. Because I didn't follow him before because I was like, eh, football, Patriots, eh. But now I'm like kind of interested. Like, what are you going to do with your life at 29? Like, probably a lot of different ways you could go. He could make a lot of good cameo appearances. Oh my god, yeah. For sure. Oh my god. Yeah. So. And I mean, like, now the, the leash is off of him to have to, like, conduct himself in any sort of, like in accordance with a, a code of conduct policy. He can go fucking buck wild now. Oh, yeah. 
all those pictures you took with porn stars, those are okay now. (laughs) You're not going to get fined by your team. Have a a blast. Go, Gronk. Oh, it's so funny. Um, (laughs) So another NFL news story that was really the one we wanted to focus on, Gronk was just kind of a fun little side note to let everyone know. Um, But it ended up, well... The, the latest news from the uh, Wall Street Journal is that Colin Kaepernick's payout, so Colin Kaepernick we spoke about a few different times, who um, was suing the uh, NFL for, what was he actually suing them for? Collusion to basically not hire him. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. So we had originally, it came out that it was suspected they were paying him between 60 and $80 million um, as a settlement, but now it's apparently potentially less than $10 million, which really changes things. Because when we spoke about this previously, we were feeling like, okay, 60 to 80 million is actually obviously like a pretty huge payout, way bigger than anyone really would have expected. Maybe more than he would have made if he had just continued playing in the NFL. Like maybe not, but maybe. Um, it was like a hefty amount of money, but now if we're talking 10 million or less, like, <sighs> you know, not great. Not and great. frankly, to me, if it, if this is actually true and his payout was $10 million, it's also 10 million split amongst the three people who sued them. Right. So like, you're not getting a ton. Yeah. And frankly, to me, it's unacceptable. Yeah. If the only and the NFL gets to walk away with a payout of $10 million for something that should have absolutely ruined them. It's, it's a disgrace. Like you, it's so clear and obvious that they were desperate to settle because they knew they were likely going to end up being in the wrong if it went to trial. So the idea that this is what your payout is like the NFL, I'm sure is laughing because 10 million to them, they make that on any given Sunday. Yeah. So it's just like to me, it's insulting to Colin Kaepernick and the other players. Hundred percent, um, especially because Colin Kaepernick will likely never get another job in the NFL. Yeah. So I hope it for his sake, he can continue with like endorsements and stuff like that, and like he can continue to, you know, be an activist and continue like his endorsements still support him. I think Nike's still supporting him. Okay, that's um, good. Yeah, because he had a. I think there was an ad that came out a few months ago, and like it was very well received. So. Um, I hope he can continue to do the good work that he's been doing because he has not deserved the road that he's been on. And this just feels like the final nail in the coffin of a very, very poor standing and showing by the NFL. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so moving along, what are we on next? I'm going to give this up, actually. Um, I want to give a... Shout out to Bianca Andrescu. Um, so we are currently in the, um, there is another tournament going on. It is the Miami Open. Um, so apparently this and Indian Wells together are known as the Sunshine Double, oh. just as an F um, So Bianca Andrescu, we talked about her last week because she absolutely killed it, um, winning the Indian Wells. She went straight into the Miami tournament because they're back-to-back. Um, she actually... Um, got all the way through to the fourth round where um, she ended up withdrawing, unfortunately, which is unsurprising given that she is, she played two back-to-back tournaments. She's still really young. We talked about the idea that we didn't know how her longevity would be in a season when you're, when you're going this hard. So I'm not surprised she had to withdraw this afternoon in the fourth round, but the real story here is that she actually had to play Angelique Kerber again, which was the, the girl that she beat last week in the finals. Um, so she beat her again 
and Angelique Kerber was less than satisfied and thrilled with the outcome because as they went to shake hands, because after a tennis match, you always go and shake the opponent's hand. She literally, you can hear her say on camera, oh my, you are such a drama queen. And after shaking hands, as though no one would hear this, A, and as though that's the appropriate thing to say following a match. Right. Like, get your shit together. So, apparently, Kerber was pissed because uh, Andrescu did have a couple of medical timeouts, but... Those are not necessarily a bad thing. Like some people use medical timeouts actually strategically to slow a game down, to interrupt the pace of something if it's happening. And you're um, actually you're actually allowed to do that. In theory, you I mean you have to have an injury in theory, but some people just say like, oh, I have tightness or I have cramping, and it gives you a couple minutes. The trainer mm-hmm. comes out. Um, but and I also think Kerber was probably took offense to the fact that like Andrescu when she wins a point or a game has a pretty like loud pump up like she has a good banshee shriek to get herself going. Okay. Which like honestly go for it. Serena Williams, Maria Sharapova, all the big ones all do the same thing. Right. But Kerber defends to it. Right. Later on, Kerber actually went on Twitter to say like to congratulate Andrescu for winning, and she got hella called out even by other tennis stars. Like, Nick Kyrgios, who's a men's uh, player, actually fully called her out and was like, no, you definitely called her a drama queen. Don't try to change the narrative on this one. Right. To me, it's just poor sportsmanship. Definitely. Like, you lost twice, and it fucking sucks, but it means you've got to go back to the drawing board, you right. know? Like, I don't know what you want from her. She beat you. Yeah. I also like the, like, little mini, like, fuck you that comes with beating Kerber and then withdrawing immediately in the match after and being like actually I'm good I'll see you guys next tournament yeah that is pretty funny you know Kerber's like fucking seething right now so. oh yeah <laughs> so she would have beat her in like was it like a round robin style or was it like now Kerber's out oh no they're always out it's always oh, one match it's always one match and then you go home okay yeah the only yeah. time it's round robin is um, when they're doing like the Davis Cup, which is like the countries that compete against each other. Oh yeah, that'll be robin. But any other tennis tournament's a one shot. Okay. You're in or you're out. Right. Yeah, that's definitely a pretty big fuck you then. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do like. She's still 18, so I really hope that like the petty teenager in her like had a moment and decided to do that because like honestly. Kerber should not have acted that way. Kerber is significantly older. She's a vet on this tour. Like, she should be holding herself together better than that. Yeah, 100%. Still killing it. Yeah, good for her. Um, Okay, well, I will give everyone a brief curling update. So, as I mentioned last week, uh, the women's curling was in the midst of the world championships. Um, Canada actually didn't make the playoffs, which I think is the first time in quite a while that they haven't made the playoffs. Um, sorry this is unacceptable oh yes exactly well I mean I did mention last week that I was feeling like Chelsea Carey's team like didn't really seem like they were that great maybe it wasn't gonna happen but we were early in the round robin so I wasn't sure but they didn't end up making playoffs so the final ended up being between Sweden and Switzerland Switzerland ended up winning in the 11th end so basically in the 10th end the last end of the game um, Sweden had the hammer and they needed two points to win, but they were only able to get one point, which just tied it. So it had to go to an 11th end. Since they got the last point, the hammer went back to Switzerland and they were able to get their one point and win. So, so Switzerland won. Um, actually, when I looked back the past 
two years, it's been Canada who's won. So Jennifer Jones's team and Rachel Homan's team. And then prior to that, for three years in a row, Switzerland won. So it seems like it's really like Switzerland and Canada back and forth right now for the most part. I love, I love the fact that curling really has taken off globally. Like it made my heart so happy watching the Olympics last year and seeing like South Korea yeah. fielding a curling team. Like I love it. Yeah. I love that something previously was so small and contained in Canada has really exploded. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, even uh, I think Korea's team ended up getting bronze at the world championships. Oh. Yeah. So they obviously have a relatively good team then. I mean, they did, did far better than Canada. So. <laughs> uh, so now this coming weekend, we have the Men's World Championship starting um, on Saturday. And again, like I mentioned, that's in Lethbridge, Alberta. So time change will be a little bit better for games. And I'm pretty sure it'll it'll just be all of the Team Canada games that'll be aired. So keep an eye on TSN or whatever if anyone's interested in watching. Um, okay, so just quickly want to touch on um, the Clarkson Cup that happened this weekend. So it was actually across all of the Sportsnet channels on Sunday, which was amazing because I didn't expect that at all in terms of like TV representation. But essentially, the Clarkson Cup is the CWHL, aka the Canadian Women's Hockey League. It's like their Stanley Cup, essentially. Right. Um, fun fact, uh, did you watch the game? I did not. Okay, so I actually learned about the history of the Clarkson Cup. It was actually started by Adrienne Clarkson, our lieutenant governor. Oh. Yeah, so she was on on the panel. We had an all-women's panel, by the way, which was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and they had Adrienne Clarkson on, and she talked about how she started the Clarkson Cup the year that the NHL was in a lockout because they were, she basically was like, well, if the guys aren't playing, then why can't the women? Right. So she started the Clarkson Cup and it just like has totally become a thing. That's awesome. I know. How adorable. Yeah. So um, in the finals this year was the Calgary Inferno versus La Canadiens de Montreal. I'm butchering that. I'm so sorry. So yeah, Calgary versus Montreal. Calgary ended up winning five to two. They had a fantastic season from what I've read. Um, it was a really, really good game. Like, it was exciting. The score doesn't really reflect really. Like, there were points when it was much closer. It was 2-2 for a bit, and then Calgary really pulled away. Um, it was adorable, and I really liked the fact that not only did we have an all-women's panel, but it was across all the channels, which made it so much more accessible for people. They played at the Rico Coliseum, okay. um, and they had, like, 5,000 fans there. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cute. There were so many, like, little girls who were huge fans of these women. And they Aww. made me, like, so happy because they're going to be, like, the future, you yeah. know? That's amazing. I ended up, like, these girls that are fans now may be the ones on the ice in a decade competing exactly. for it. It makes me so happy. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and also, quick shout-out to um, our friend Victoria, a frequent listener of our podcast, who actually did an Instagram takeover. If you were watching our story on Sunday and saw those pictures, that was one of our friends who was um, at the game, center ice, front and center. She's a huge proponent of women's sports. So I literally was like, why aren't you just, just do a takeover? Yeah. Let the world see that what's going on. So thank you to her. It was amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, huge thank you to her. That was so like such good content for everyone to see. Also, one quick side note, um, one of the things that really hampered Montreal in this game is that uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, who I actually think might be Canada's captain at this point, okay. or she was 
She plays for Montreal, um, and she was actually injured. She was injured in the semifinals as well. Um, and the thing that Sportsnet ended up writing about that most people didn't realize is she was actually in full gear on the bench for the entire game. Oh, wow. She, like, when she was, like, going to play, she was on the bench. She was cheering on her team. She was the last person to come off the ice. She, like, really put herself, like, in the game as much as she could. So it was, like, really tragic because she's probably the best player in the world at this point, so she couldn't play. Um, but it was, like... It was a really nice story of, like, true sportsmanship. Like, she was there supporting her girls even when she couldn't, like, rather than being up in the box injured. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But, yeah, so next year, highly recommend when uh, Clarkson Cup comes around again, we'll certainly mention it, give you guys a bit of a preview. We'll try and even make it. Hopefully we can make it next year. Yeah, hopefully. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay, um, and then our last story for Pick 6 this week is just a bit of an update on uh, NCAA Basketball March Madness, obviously. So thank you to everybody who entered a bracket into our uh, Yahoo bracket for Cleats and Cocktails. We ended up with, I think, 37 people. 37 people! You guys are amazing! Yeah, so excited. We, yeah, we basically, like, I think on the last morning like Thursday morning we maybe had like 25 and I was trying to do a final push I really wanted to get it over 30 and then we ended up getting to 37 which was awesome um so basically this weekend they played through the round of 64 and the round of 32 so the final 16 teams are all set um which is known as the sweet 16 and that will be those matchups will be set to take place starting Thursday evening um, for the most part, everything that we kind of thought would happen did happen. So in two of the regions, um, it's the, 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 the four teams left are just the one, two, three, four seeds. So that's basically what you would think. Um, in the Western region though, we did have Oregon upset, um, University of Wisconsin. So Oregon's a 12 seed and Wisconsin's a five seed. So we had that. And then we also had um, UC Irvine upset Kansas State. So UC Irvine's a 13 seed, Kansas State was a four seed, um, which then meant that in the round of 32, Oregon and UC Irvine were playing. So a 12 and a 13 seed basically had both made it out. Um, which is a bit unusual, and Oregon won that match. So they're actually in the uh, Sweet 16. So they're actually the lowest seed that's left in the in the Sweet 16 at this point. Yeah, they're the only real real surprise that's come through for um, in terms of upsets. And I really actually agonized over picking Oregon to go further than I did. I had them losing in the round of 64 because they really weren't a very good team this year. All the analysts, all the advanced metrics, all the things that point to being able to determine if a team is good or not really had Oregon quite low. Mm. So, uh, but historically, Oregon's actually a very good school. They've had some very good players come through. So I, I actually really did struggle with whether to pick them or not, and I regrettably did not. They performed as they have in previous years, and I mean, good for them. They're in the Sweet 16 again. Yeah, exactly. Um, the but only... Did you, I don't know how many games you watched, but like I was basically glued to my television whenever I possibly could be. Um, There were a couple of like fairly um, heart attack inducing matches Mm -hmm. along the, or games along the line. Um, On Friday, if you were watching Virginia, um, Virginia had a rough go in the first half of their game. They were actually down 
I was freaking out. I was basically ready to like light the whole bar on fire that I was watching it at. <laughs> I to Nick and was like, I will light this place on fire if, if they lose. I am done. And so but they ended up winning. Tennessee also had a close call and a lot of people have Tennessee in their finals. Yep. So they made it super difficult too. Yeah. Uh, but I think the one that was by far, by far the most dramatic was Duke playing last night. Yes. Yeah, so Duke was playing University of Central Florida in the round of 32. Um, They were obviously the clear expected team to win, and UCF kept it super close the whole way. Um, It basically, in the end, it ended up being, like, UCF's game to lose like in my opinion Duke didn't win that game um it they were up at the very end with I don't know five seconds left they were up by one point and all UCF needed to do was get one basket like they would have just any basket for two points and they would have won and so they go up their one guy goes up for like a layup type of shot misses somebody grabs the rebound from their team shoots a second time and misses again so they had two misses in the last like I don't know, seven seconds that would have won them the game and then didn't. That was really like Lady Luck was not on their side. Totally. That tipping in any other play would have gone in. Yeah. And it had it been even like an inch or two to one side more, it would have gone in. Like it was it was a fucking heartbreaker. Yeah. I it agree. Really, that was to watch because like whatever. I have Duke in the finals. A lot of people have Duke winning. But I was really there for the upset. Like, UCF put everything out on the floor. Like, Duke, I feel like, really showed up thinking they were going to walk all over UCF, and they got their asses handed to them. Yeah. And I also, like, Zion Williamson had 30-something points in the game, but I feel like he got a little bit exposed when he was going up against their ridiculously tall 7-6 center, yeah. uh, Taco Fallon. Taco, Taco Fall. A- Taco Fall, Taco sorry. Fall, yeah. yeah. But, like, he really contained a lot of, like, what Zion Williamson does well, which yeah. is powers way to that. Yeah. So, I mean. The problem, the problem with that guy is that he doesn't really have control over his fouls. He seems to foul a lot. He's got a, he's got a lot of limbs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, he actually ended up having to go out of the game several times when he would get fouled. And then once he was out of the game, then Duke would be able to make a bit of a kind of run and then he'd come back in the game and stop them and so. but don't you feel like that sort of exposed Duke for their biggest weakness like if other teams can find ways to contain that and do exactly what UCF did Duke is potentially in trouble yeah I agree I just feel like other teams don't have players who are seven foot six and can basically just cover anybody in the entire key yes fair yeah but I mean I think that most teams are going to go into their games now being like throw the tallest person out there oh (laughs) throw them out there yeah see what happens so NCAA first round first two rounds was really fun yeah not a huge surprise overall but very very fun good games Definitely. And what I love to see and hear is that a lot of people who have joined our bracket were actually quite invested in the game. Like for my mom, as an example, she joined our bracket and she was keeping a close eye on her Yahoo app all weekend. She was watching so much basketball. My stepdad was like, I have never seen your mom more into this much sports. Like this is so strange. She was right into it. So yeah. And I feel I heard from other people that they were as well. So that's pretty awesome. And that's really 
why we push so hard for people to try joining March Madness because like low commitment, but once you have even a mild investment, you get really into it because you come, you come attached to your picks. Even if you did them really randomly, like there's still a little bit on the line there in terms of like, did I actually pick right? So I'm super pleased that so many people join and so many people are enjoying themselves. Um, it'll be back next Thursday. So, or this Thursday, sorry. Thursday, yeah. Yeah. Thursday night, it'll be back on. Um, it'll continue through the weekend-ish. Yep. 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 And we will talk about that again next week. Yeah, I think this weekend we'll get through the round. We'll get through the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. And then the final yeah. weekend, we'll have the final four and then the finals. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So we will give you guys another update next week. And that concludes Pick 6 for the week. It does. Um, it was like pick 10, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little closer to that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, okay, so as Taniela mentioned in our agenda for the week, we're now jumping into a playoff preview segment where we are going to talk a little bit about what's to come um, for the NHL and the NBA in the, in the coming weeks. So the last day of the regular season for the NHL is April 6th. And the last day of the regular season for the NBA is April 10th. So basically less than two weeks left for both now. Um, So we're going to kind of let you guys know where we're at in terms of the playoff picture. And then I think next week we'll dive into a more, um, like a a bit of a deeper dive into like what the playoffs will look like and how the brackets work and all of that sort of stuff. So do you want to kick us off with NBA? Yeah, sure. So um, NBA is... There's a bunch of it that's already been set, but there is actually still some uh, contention for some of the spots. So East versus West are looking a little bit different. In the Eastern Conference, which is where the Toronto Raptors play, um, the Milwaukee Bucks are currently sitting in first, Toronto's in second, followed by Philly and Indiana. Those four teams have clinched playoff spots. Um, The likelihood finish at this point is that the Bucks will finish first and Toronto will finish second. Um, we're like four games back of the Bucks right now. And really the Raptors lost to bucket Charlotte yesterday. So, I mean, I'm not really putting my eggs in the basket of taking first at this point. So, um, like, like I said, likely the Bucks will be in first Toronto will take second. Um, which basically if, if the playoffs were supposed to start today, Um, Toronto would actually be facing Detroit in the first round because in basketball, it's the one seed plays the eight seed, two plays seven, three plays six, and then four plays five. Um, So Toronto would play Detroit, which I was saying to Meg before the pause, like it's a fucking nightmare right now because Toronto has lost literally every game to Detroit this season. Former Toronto coach Dwayne Casey is now Detroit's um, coach. So there's just... I feel like there's a lot of chance for him to expose the weaknesses of some of the players he has coached previously. Toronto, like I said, has lost to them all season. I would be much happier if we take on, like, Brooklyn, the Nets, who are currently sitting in sixth spot, or Miami, who's currently sitting in eighth. Um, The race for eighth place is still quite close. Um, Orlando is trying to make a push, and so is Charlotte. Um, And even technically, the Wizards are still in the running, but they have some, like, it's like a 4% chance they're going to make it in. So, <laughs> you know, probably not. Um, more than likely, Miami is going to firm it up and take the eighth spot. But if Orlando can make a push, um, they can potentially steal it from Miami. Um, they do, Miami does have a 
decent run to the end. They do actually play Toronto again towards the end of the season, which is likely going to be their toughest matchup. Um, but Toronto at that point also might be sitting a lot of their all-stars because what you're going to find as you get really, really close to the end of the season, a lot of teams will start to sit their best people. That way they can rest them um, and get them prepped for playoffs. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, on the West side, though, it is quite a dogfight, surprisingly, for first overall. Um, it is currently a fight between Golden State um, and Denver. So go Denver. They are wow. currently one game behind Golden State. They are, like, the Warriors are hanging on by a thread to that one seed, which would be freaking epic if, they could, if Denver takes it over because Golden State's stadium is phenomenal during the playoffs. Um, I think it's the Oracle arena um it's it's a really really good atmosphere so taking the home home arena court i guess yeah home court advantage away um is would be big for for whoever's playing them in the finals um in the west the only two teams that actually have clinched playoff spots are golden state and denver three through eight are still not clinched because it's great yeah it's insane um, it's such a tight race. The third place Houston Rockets right now are their record is 47 wins, 27 losses. And all the way down in eighth at, for San Antonio, they have 43 wins and 31 losses. It's a literal four game difference. Wow. So the West is always a dog fight. So it, it really, it's going to come right down to the wire as to who's going to finish where, yeah. um, likely the, the teams that are currently holding these eight spots are going to be the ones that, that end up staying. I don't think any other teams, like in ninth right now is Sacramento, and they're like seven games back of the Spurs. Mm. So there's not a whole lot of likelihood that they are going to be making it in. They are the only team left outside of the top eight that even stands a chance of making it in. All the teams 10 through 15 otherwise have already been eliminated oh, wow. in the West. That's how tight it is. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, the Western Conference is going to be a good time to watch towards the end of the season because they're all going to be jockeying for position, and it's going to come right down to the wire as to where they all see. So like I said, likelihood, these top eight teams, Golden State, Denver, Houston, Portland, LA Clippers, Oklahoma City Thunder, Utah, and San Antonio are going to be the ones in the playoffs. We just don't know what positions yet. Right. And on that same note, this is actually the first year since, what, 2004 that LeBron LeBron James is not in the playoffs. We yeah. have a LeBron-free layoffs. I feel like we should insert, like, a, an applause clip right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like those famous gifs of people standing up and applauding. Like, I'm that up right now. Like, I'm just pumped. I'm excited. Yeah, agreed. Although, I feel like LeBron probably is pissed that he's not in the playoffs. But also, I would kind of be excited. He's, he's been in the playoffs every year since, like, 2004 or 2005. So, like, he's played almost every game possible in an NBA season for, like, a decade. Yeah. So, I would be pretty excited to have some time off. He's never gotten this much time to really rest. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't really know that he thinks that way, though. I feel like he's one of those, like, insanely motivated freak athlete kind of guys so he probably is so competitive that he just is doesn't see the positive side of it at all but you know but the thing is that like LeBron is a lot older than he used to be like he he's his body really could actually use the break and he's one of those people who's been very much spared from injuries over his career so like honestly he's probably gonna come back even better next year yeah it's true you know crazy but yeah NBA for, summed up for you. Okay, awesome. 
Um, so for the NHL, we've obviously kind of same idea. We've got the Eastern and the Western conferences. So in the Western conference, we've got the Winnipeg Jets, whoop, whoop, the Calgary Flames and the San Jose Sharks who have clinched uh, playoff spots um, again for the Western conference. So it looks like the Nashville Predators, St. Louis Blues, and the Vegas Golden Knights should take the final three spots in the West. Um, I don't really see that changing. Um, but what could change, so basically the way it works for the NHL is that it, there's the top three teams from each of the divisions that fall under the Western Conference. And then in addition to those three teams from each division, there would be two wildcard spots. So that would be the next two best players in the whole conference. So basically in the Western Conference, the two teams who are currently sitting in the wildcard spots are the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. Um, but only two points back from Colorado are both Minnesota and Arizona, and they still have six games to play. So I feel like the wildcard spot is still up to, for debate. Um, I think Dallas should have a pretty good shot of keeping their spot um, because they are a couple points ahead. Um, but really, it could they, they still have quite a few games left, so it could, it could shift around there. Um, now on the Eastern Conference side of things... Um, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins who have for sure clinched playoff spots. Um, we then have the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I thought you were going to give me a whoop whoop there. Oh, I was waiting for you to make an insult about them. So I was just going to let you have your moment before I jump back in, but hell yeah, go Leafs. <laughs> so you can go. We've got the Leafs, we've got the Capitals, the Islanders and the Penguins who currently, if we were to you know, call it right now, would take the remaining um, playoff spots in the East. Um, but the Hurricanes are only a couple points back from the Penguins right now. So who knows, like they could end up taking that spot. Um, and then in terms of the wildcard spots in the East, we've got the Hurricanes, I just mentioned, Carolina, and also the Montreal Canadiens. So um, again, still a few games left to play there. So don't know for sure how that will end up. Um, Columbus Blue Jackets are only a couple points back from Montreal, so they could potentially still take that wild card spot. So I guess probably by next Monday when we do a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown, we'll probably have a better idea because they'll be in their, their final couple of games at that point. So we should have a better, a better sense. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the teams that are in the running for the NHL right now. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll just give everyone another update next week. Two sidebars on this. Okay. One, um, the Leafs have been doing everything humanly fucking possible to not make the playoffs at this point. They have just lost so many games. It's just like the Toronto teams are on just like a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Downslide. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't know what is going on. I don't know why. I don't know if there's just too much pressure. I don't know if the winter has been too long, but holy, the Leafs and the Rafts need to get it together. Yep. Um, as a second aside, because you were mentioning uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, have you seen their post-game celebrations? I have. Yes. So we highly recommend all of our listeners to give this a watch on like YouTube or, or wherever, on Twitter probably too, it's there. Um, so the Carolina Hurricanes have started doing this thing. They call it the storm surge. So basically after every home game, if they win, they do these like epic celebrations on ice, yeah. which is a large departure from basically everyone who plays professional hockey because usually they're still reserved and like you don't show a whole lot of emotion. But the, the Hurricanes have been like 
And they have some really good celebrations. One of them was like a bowling, they bowled with a player. Yeah, I saw that one. That was good. They've done like some really good ones. They've done the Viking clap. Um, so it's just like, I highly recommend it. And I feel like it actually sort of inadvertently brought a lot of fans out because the Carolina Hurricanes don't always get the most sold out stadiums, you know, like they're yeah. not the most popular team, but something about this storm surge coupled with the push that they're making to get in the playoffs has really gotten the fans back out. Like they're so invested. That's awesome. It's the life into Carolina. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, the, I've seen some of the videos and they're actually really hilarious. So people should definitely go and look them up. I think I've seen them mostly yeah. on like Instagram and stuff. But. So that's that for playoffs. Uh, yeah, that wraps us up. Okay, so we are going to jump into what's the call MLB edition. Um, as we were talking about, the Major League Baseball season is set to start this week. Um, the Jays home opener is actually going to be this weekend. So if you are in Toronto, you want to go, tickets are likely sold out. It tends to sold, sell out an opening weekend, but need to know. Um, we want to keep you kind of give you a preview of not so much like the game of baseball, because at this point we figure most people know how baseball works, like the basics, like, you know, you run the bases, we all know what a home run is, that kind of thing. So rather than explain at a very basic level baseball we figured it would actually be a little bit easier to talk about some of the terms that come up in baseball you'll hear them in announcing um you'll hear them like on tsn or wherever on stat lines so knowing that kind of makes understanding the game as it's happening a little bit easier too um so do you want to just jump right in meg yeah sure um, I can start us off with one little tidbit of basic knowledge that I thought I should throw in there just in case we have anybody who never played or never really watched baseball. Um, but essentially, when you're up to bat um, and the pitcher is pitching to you, you can get uh, a maximum of three strikes. So if you get a third strike, you're out. Um, I, that's probably pretty obvious. Um, and you can also get up to four balls. And if you do get four balls, which means they pitch to you outside of the strike zone, then that would be a walk. So basically you would just automatically get to go to first base. Um, so one, one term, I guess, that we can talk about while we're talking about the sort of pitching count, um, is a full count. So basically if you have three balls and two strikes, that would be considered a full count because the next pitch, either way, unless unless you hit a foul, I suppose, um, either way will basically determine what's going to happen. So they'll either throw you another ball and then it's a walk, you're heading to first base, or they'll throw you a strike and you'll either hit the ball and, you know, make a move that way or you'll strike out. Or like I said, you could hit a foul, in which case then you would still get another um, pitch from there. But for the most part, if you're at a full count, you are, um, your next, your next pitch is most likely your last pitch. Yeah. Um, also, something you might hear um, during a typical inning is that the announcers will say, or the commentators will talk about how there's runners at the corners. Basically, what that means is that the team that's up to bat currently has a player on first base and a player on third base. So, the, essentially, the two corners of the field. Um the reason why they bring that up is because you can have some their strategy involved in how to handle quote-unquote runners at the corners. So if you ever hear that, it just means that there's runners on first base and there's runners on third base. Yep. 
Um, one other thing with respect to the pitching count would be what's considered a hitter's count, they might mention. So basically this would be if you're at a point where you have three balls and one strike. And the reason that's a hitter's count is because the hitter is technically up on the pitcher. So really they need to throw you two more strikes in order for you to get struck out. Whereas they only need one more ball and then you're heading to first on a walk. So basically like the hitter has the advantage in, in those situations where it's three balls and one strike. So that's called a hitter's count. Also, usually in a hitter's count, the because one more ball will cause the player to go to first base, um, the hitter can usually bet that the, the pitch is coming probably down the middle, right. as in over the plate in a position that's really advantageous for the hitter because the pitcher needs to ensure that the next pitch they throw is a strike. So it, it's to the hitter's advantage, usually. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Um, Speaking of, if you already have people on base, what you may see sometimes is what's called a double play. That means that in one play, you get two outs. So in baseball, you have three outs before the inning ends. So a double play means that you've managed to get two of those three outs on one play. So what it might mean is um, the player might catch the ball and then also throw someone out at, like catch the ball, throw the ball to, let's say, second base because there's a runner headed to second, so that person automatically is out. And then while the other player who batted is running to first, the second baseman will throw to first and get that person out too. So in that play, you get two people out. Right, so double play. Um, on the flip side of a double play is an error. <laughs> so basically, if you're a if you're a fielder um, and you make a mistake, so let's say for example you either overthrow the ball or you drop a catch. So let's say you're that second baseman in Taniela's example, and somebody tosses you the ball and you for some reason drop it or you miss it or whatever, and then the person makes it to second base. That would be an error on your part as the second baseman. Um, so basically, if if the error that you make causes the player to either get on base or score a run or whatever, then that would be an error against you as a fielder. Um, if you, let's say, drop the ball, but then you still manage to pick it up in time to get the out, then it wouldn't count as an error. It's only an error if it results in them getting on base or scoring or whatever the case may be. And you, I, and you've definitely seen errors if you've ever watched baseball. Like if someone, like you can see the sun gets in their eyes and they miss the ball trying to catch it or like, they overthrow, so they whip the ball to first, and it goes into, like, the stands. Like, yeah. they're pretty obvious when they happen. Yeah. Um, there are sometimes errors that happen that are, like, really minor, and you don't really see them until afterwards. But just know, if the player screws up, it's an error. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so jumping into something that isn't so much, like, a rule or anything, but it actually can help if you're ever watching a game and you see stats pop up, um, it's batting average. So batting average is essentially how well a player is hitting. Um, if you ever see like a roster pulled up on TV or on the Jumbotron, if you're at the game, you'll see like all the players' names and then they'll have a decimal next to them. It'll say like 0 0.318 or 0 0.250. Um, that's their batting average. So it's always shown as a decimal rather than a percentage. Basically, the, the need to know on this is that anything above 300 or 0 0.300 is good. Anything below 0 0.250 or 250 is not great. Um, you'll also always hear, hear it referred to in like its full numbers. Like you'll never hear them say, oh, they're batting 0.314. They'll always say like they're batting 314. Okay. So um, 
just know that if they're hitting over 300, they're generally doing pretty well. If they're hitting below 250, it's not so great. Sometimes you'll see players hitting as low as like in the hundreds and they're doing real bad. Okay. That's interesting. I never really knew that. Like, I mean, I obviously knew that batting average was a thing, but I never really knew how the numbers worked. So that's a good reference point for me to know as well. Yep. Um, okay. And, uh, something else that's, um, a term that's used for batters is, uh, RBIs. So runs batted in. So basically if you're the batter, you hit the ball, um, and a player scores a run, then that would be an RBI. So you've batted in a run. Um, um, if you are the batter and you hit the ball, you run to first and they get you out at first, but you get somebody in, that's often when they would say, oh, but it's still an RBI because you got out. So you kind of feel like, oh damn, I got out, but you got to run in. So really it's a, it's a good deal in the end. Um, yeah. Anything else on that? Yeah, no. Also, um, if a player, we talked about an error. So if a player commits an error that results in a score, then you don't get the RBI for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because the person made an error, which is why the run went in. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. So. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you don't want to credit someone when it was the other person's fault that they scored. So right. that makes sense. Um, I think that's probably the basics. Mm-hmm. We tried to keep this what's the call a little bit shorter. So if you're if you happen to be watching this opening weekend, if you are you know even mid season, if you hear something that you're a little bit curious about or you don't quite get, send us an email, send us a DM, let us know. Um, we are happy to explain anything. If there's some like baseball also has a approximately 4 million different stats that they keep count of, oh, yeah. which are like my head spin. Like I cannot, yeah. uh, it's too many for me. Um, but if there's something you're particularly interested in and you want us to talk about it and what it means for baseball and players, uh, let us know. We're happy to pull that up and um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think so too. I think this is like a little bit of kind of generic baseline information about baseball, but totally happy to go into it in more detail since that's probably the main sport we're going to be covering most of the summer. So we're probably going to spend a good amount of time talking about baseball. So if anybody wants anything specific to be covered or anything in more detail, let us know and we'll definitely do that at some point. Yeah. Um, I think we might actually bring us to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we had a lot of sports. Actually, side note, speaking of not sports, um, I officially am on the Big Brother train. Oh, good. I have gotten on. I am rolling with it. It is, you know, it's Big Brother Canada. It, it <laughs> certainly is. It's excessively extra in all of the things that it doesn't need to be extra in. Yep. Like, why do the lights turn off when they're about to do the nomination ceremony? Yep. Why is everything so heavily digitized when, like, it just used to be a key? Why know? Why are they calling them agents rather than house guests? Yeah, I don't. At first I was like, did I hear that wrong? Is this referring to something I don't get? But no, yet again, yet again, they need to make it something it isn't. Yep. So, you know, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm officially on the train, though. Like, I'll be watching. If you guys are watching us as well, let us know. If you want us to talk about Big Brother in more detail, we can. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're also going to be doing a Bachelor breakdown for Hannah's men. Yep. The bios haven't released yet, so we're not going to do it quite yet. We want to do the full, like, not just on pictures alone. I need to know what terrible occupations they also work before I judge them. Ditto. And the season doesn't actually start until, I think, like, May 13th or something. So we'll wait until we're a little bit closer, too, so that people can get amped up about about the ridiculous cast. 
in time for them to start watching it. Oh my god, I feel like like April May is gonna be a fun couple of months. Yeah, between playoffs, between Bachelorette coming back. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of sports happening. It's gonna be a really good time. So again, if there's anything you want us to talk about specifically, sports or not, let us know because there is gonna be a lot, and some of it we're gonna have to cut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, reach out to us, Twitter, um, email, cleatsandcocktails at gmail.com. Um, DM us on Instagram if you want us to chat about anything. Yep. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Um, I think only really on Apple Podcasts you can subscribe, but on most other platforms you can like favorite it, which I think is sort of similar. Um, if you favorite yeah, it on Spotify, does it automatically like download it each week? I don't think so. Like, you can follow the podcast, but each week like you have to click and it'll be there. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, and then obviously any um, ratings or reviews would be greatly appreciated. I know for sure on Apple Podcasts you can do that. Again, I don't know about other platforms. I should probably, I guess, look into that in closer detail um, and see if you can actually iPhone elitist. <laughs> I know I am such an iPhone elitist. Actually, just all Apple products elitist. But yeah, literally, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but anyways, I guess that kind of wraps us up for this week. So hopefully, hopefully Taniela's far away voice came through okay for everybody out there and you could still hear her. I also take offense to the fact that I'm the one that sounds far away when you're the one in literally the middle of nowhere. I know, but I'm the one with the computer that we do the recording on. So... <laughs> Megan is currently imitating the emoji where the girl just has her hand up, like, to the side. Yeah, sorry, like, sorry. Shrug. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And yes. cheers, everyone. Cheers.